You're listening to Rock of Ages, where I introduce my friends who are much into music theater to different types of pop and rock music. And sometimes they'll introduce me to some theater music. Anyway, hey, uh, we're talking today. We're talking about Neil Young after the Gold Rush. With me, I have Isaiah. Yo, yo, yo. Kay. Hey. Riley. Hello there. And Romy. The goat has burned. <laughs> you are so right. The goat has burned. <laughs> after the Gold Rush is the third studio album by Canadian American musician Neil Young, released on September nineteenth, nineteen seventy, under Reprise Records. It was produced by Neil Young, David Briggs, and Kendall Passios, and the genres are folk rock and country rock. Now I'm going to read the all-music review from William Rulman. In the 15th months between the release of Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere and After the Gold Rush, Neil Young issued a series of recordings in different styles that could have prepared his listeners for the differences between the two albums. His two compositions on the Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young album Deja Vu, Helpless and Country Girl, returned him to the folk and country styles he had pursued before delving into the hard rock of Everybody Knows. Two other singles, Sugar Mountain and Oh Lonesome Me, also emphasized those roots, but Ohio, a CSNY single, rocked as hard as any Anything on the second album. After the Gold Rush was recorded with the aid of Nils Lofgren, a 17-year-old unknown whose piano was a major instrument, turning one of the few rockers, Southern Man, which had unsparing protest lyrics typical of Phil Oaks, into a more stately effort than anything on the previous album and giving a classic tone to the title track. A mystical ballad that featured some of Young's most imaginative lyrics and became one of his most memorable songs. But much of After the Gold Rush consisted of country folk love songs, which consolidated the audience Young had earned through his tours and recordings with CSNY. Its dark yet hopeful tone matched the tenor of the times in 1970, making it one of the most definitive singer-songwriter albums and has remained among Young's major achievements. Alright, what do we think of After the Gold Rush by Neil Young? Yeah, fine. I liked it's, it. It's good. I really yeah. like it. Okay. I liked it. Yeah. This was, you know, honestly, I think this is the the favorite out al- my favorite album that I've listened to this year. Oh, really? So that's uh, saying something. Yeah, so Sweet. I uh halfway into this year I was like stranded in New Mexico by Boy Scouts for a week. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's a, it was just like a little camp thing, but it was in the wilderness. And when I got back, uh, I felt I'm I felt oh, I I went to like this record store in Denver like just to say I should like get a souvenir from from this place because I'm a record collector. 
and I didn't really see any anything that tickled my fancy. But then I saw like Neil Young after the Gold Rush, and me, I didn't know much about Young at the time. I knew he was in Crosby, Stills and Nash, which whose debut album I was freaking hard with at the time. And so I decided to get that for a nice twelve dollars, and I and I listened to it, and I I liked it, but uh, I thought to myself, why do I like it so much? And then I came to the conclusion. This album is literally the personification of me. It's definitely like a grower. A little bit too much like me. I don't know if that's good or a bad thing. Well, that's just a reference to a Marina song. Andrew's just a sad boy. (laughs) Isaiah, I saw your original Rate Your Music rating of this album. Two and a half stars. How dare you? I, I listened to it for the first time and I liked it. But the weird thing is I found myself coming back to it more than like any other album that I've listened to for the first time on this podcast. It's a slow burn. And I think man. that exactly. Yeah, that's that's the special thing about this album. No. I, I like it. At, at face value, it sounds it just sounds like a guy, a weird guy singing in high falsetto. But but then you, you go back to it and then it's actually deep and it says something, you know. Yeah. It makes love when things say things. I listen to it when I'm sad, just so I could make myself more sad. <laughs> I listen to sad music when I'm sad to make me even more sadder. In, at the very beginning, it, it starts off with such a nice, warm, welcoming little campfire tune. And uh, the lyrics, the, you don't really pay attention to the lyrics first when you're like listening to like rock music. Because I, I, it's a, it's different for theater music where you're just like delving into e- the meaning of each verse. But for rock music, it's different. But when you actually look at the lyrics, then you're like, oh, this is some pretty sad stuff right here. It's deep. Yeah. I, I, like, I like it when rockers get deep. I was just watching the Carol King music today, and they made a big deal on how uh, rock can, rock music can be like deep when given the like right right writers. Mm-hmm. Also, Isaiah, what what did you think of uh, the title track when you first heard it? Oh, I didn't really like it. Oh, oh my god, that's like one of the best. That's one of the best songs ever. No, like you, the worst okay, no. take. Like what? No, what? No, no. It's a metaphor. Like you, oh my, oh my god. <laughs> Did you see that album cover and think, is this going to be a hard rocking album? I saw this album cover and I'm like, oh boy, this is going to be emo as fuck. And it was. <laughs> but, but it's a- it's after the gold rush. No, exactly. Second, literally like second listen. I'm like, all right, no, I like this song. It's so weird. <laughs> I mean, would you like Thom York's cover? I was about to say, does this album remind you of your sad boy, Thom York? <laughs> Tom York, because, my, my man, because, Timothy Yorkshire. Yeah, this, he, I was thinking, yeah, he, he likes this album. He, this is like an inspiration for him. I have listened to that cover. Um, I have no opinion. I think I like the original better, personally. Yeah, because that, when that flugelhorn kicks in. Flugelhorn. Gotta love the flugelhorn. You know, flugelhorn. Can, can Pinkie Pie sing flugelhorn? Be the that's how I learned what a flugelhorn was from that episode of My Little Pony. I, I first learned. <laughs> I thought about... it was a fictional instrument made up for the purposes of being in a My Little Pony episode. <laughs> it does sound like something that would be on My Little Pony. Like, yeah. not gonna lie. Yeah, bruh. I first learned about the the flugelhorn. From the Love and Maddie episode Flugel Bola Rooney, in which the <laughs> prefix of the Flugel Ball was Flugel. And I just, and a couple of years later, I found out that the Flugel Ball was a re- Flugel Horn was a real thing because it was in Bruce Springsteen's Meeting Across the River, which is, 
un- unironically the one of the best songs off the album. I re-listened to this album out loud with my laptop speakers, and when the horn kicked in, it literally almost made my speakers explode. <laughs> like you could hear like the vibration. I'm like, oh god, I need to lower the volume. Playing that horn with the might of a thousand gods. The funny horn thing really is, it wasn't even like, you up, didn't it? It wasn't even 100 percent volume. <laughs> it was at like 70. <laughs> 70. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I, I usually get my stuff to like 30, 35. <laughs> no, I, How bad I listen your to music ears? too loudly. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, very yeah. bad. Ah, uh, yes. Ear rape of the 70s. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you, 70s! Anyway, I, anyway, this... It's the 70s, vote for Jimmy Carter! <laughs> anyway, oh, no. uh, so, uh, this, this album personifies me a lot, like I said, like, because it, it goes through so many emotions. Like, it starts off with being a hopeless romantic, and then suddenly it goes off to, like, the, the planet's dying, it's humanity's fault. And then it's more, like, hopeless romanticism. Like, why can't, why doesn't everyone love me? Like, I'm so sad. And then it cha- suddenly changes to hating racists and wanting to kill them all. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and can, can we just talk about I mean, Southern Man? A- Southern Man goes hard, but the previous track is so much better. Yeah. Except I rated it the opposite on my notes. I just noticed. That's so weird. <laughs> uh, oh, well. Anyway, when, when Neil Young says, I have a friend I've never seen, I feel that. Yeah, we yeah. all have friends we've never seen. As you can see in the meme have- I just posted. <laughs> Yeah, and to quote the Muppets, we all have <laughs> old friends who've just met. <laughs> I, I guess so. But Southern Man, I just, I, I've always loved Southern Man because I've always hated racism. But as, you, as you should, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Like if Valid. you think it's a, if you think it's a bad take to hate racism, stop listening to this podcast. Yeah, go away. Get out of here. We don't no, like you. We get don't... out of my car. Yeah, and you want to know who didn't like that get song? Get out of my house. You know who didn't like that song get though? Out- Leonard Skinnerd. Oh, Oof. and as they say in their in the in one of their songs, a the the le- the worst song of all time, "Sweet Home Alabama." Uh, I hope Neil Young <laughs> remembers. As a Southern man, don't need him round anyhow. It was a it was a it was a take at at Neil Young for like, hey, don't diss on the the South like that. We're cool. Shut up. Civil War oh, too. What the lyric was about. You didn't That's know that. I Neil Young. You didn't know uh, that before. I, I, didn't until, I didn't connect the dots until now. <laughs> well, the, the the sad truth is though that Neil Young and Leonard Skinner actually had massive respect for each other. I love how I said. Very says, cool. Yeah. You know, and actually, uh, uh, Ronnie Van Zant, lead singer for Skinner, would actually wear Neil Young t-shirts in concerts while singing Sweet Home Alabama. And likewise, after, like, Leonard Skinner died in a plane crash, uh, Neil Young uh, would sing Sweet, Sweet Home Man. Alabama in, in concerts. Just very bad uh, for him. That, uh, <laughs> uh, random fact, um, like, they actually stopped for fried chicken, and that was the last thing the, most of the members ate before... They're untimely. That's in the fiery plane crash. What a, what a southern and, man like, thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> what about the uh, what about like that album cover where one of the band members seems to be encased in flames? Their head just seems to be uh, like on fire. They what? got nothing on Jim Morrison though, who's eaten more chicken than <laughs> any man could ever see. <laughs> He's the backdoor man. Did you re-listen to Backdoor Man? And do you finally agree that it's one of the better songs on the album? Okay, well, not yes. one of the better songs, but at, at least it still is good. It is a good song. Thank you. I was th- I was hoping I wouldn't have to cancel you like I almost did when you said you didn't like After the Gold Rush at first. <laughs> Neil Young will attack you in your sleep just as Aaron Tavite did to me. This is so sad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Don't do it, Neil. I still need to listen to Harvest. Okay, wait, um, I need to... Don't listen to Harvest. Worst mistake of my life. Can it's I a JoJo reference, a... after all. Can I go on a tangent about Anne's bite real quick? So, I only knew Aaron's bite from Les Mis because he was in her last in Les Mis in the movie. And I had no clue that he was Gabe in the next to normal recording. And I didn't realize that until after I watched Les Mis and I was very shook. Bro, even I'm after gonna you insert did, that one if... video where it's like Aaron Tveit pronouncing his name correctly. <laughs> I'm gonna show it to all of you. You're driving me insane. <laughs> also, sorry. Uh, I... Wait, you didn't realize it was Tveit when we were doing Next to Normal? You, you guys no. pronounced it right during Next to Normal, right? I did. We, I think so. Anyway, I've always pronounced it right. Southern men better keep your They say that the cover changes the meaning, and that's that case can definitely be said for Neil's cover of Oh Lonesome Me, which I believe is your other favorite on this, Isaiah? Uh, yes. <laughs> I like that song. Yeah. A lot. I, and I listened to the original version today, like, it's not bad, it's it's too happy, as you would say. <laughs> no, not enough Tom York. Yeah. But, but seriously, that is a good criticism of the song, is that it's too happy, like, but Neil's version, he really brings the emotions out. Like he takes these lyrics that mean something and actually presents them in a way that that makes them feel like earnest. Because when you're hearing these sad lyrics in the preppy country pop cover, that uh, what was that guy's name? Don Gibson. When he does it, it's just it comes off as like phony and like not not good. Friendly reminder that there is an official Muppet version, and I just linked it to you. Huh. <laughs> oh goodness. Oh no! There is one line with that, like, holy moly! It's just, uh, I'll bet she's not like me. She's out and fancy free, flirting with the boys with all her charms. But I still love her so. I think that's like the first lyric that I ever quote in my notes uh, for good reason because it was late at night. I was listening to this album. I was like, holy shit! Good job, Don. It's just something, something about it. I'm like, good oh job. my god! Good job, Don Gibson. You made Isaiah do something that he never does. <laughs> Well, and thank you for Neil Young for saying for saying, singing the line in such a way that made him quote it in his notes. Also, Neil Young says brother in that, so Hades Town crossover. Hades Town crossover. <laughs> yeah. I still need to listen to Hades Town. Well, <laughs> I'm thinking we're gonna I... cover Hades Town in this podcast, right? Uh, yeah. We're gonna wait till uh, Sheeprolis can be a guest on it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, don't let it bring you down. What do we think of that one? Because I, I got words, but they're, I can't seem to say them correctly. Well, definitely um, wasn't the best one, but it wasn't the worst. I, like, I remember I liking really that song. Like, yeah. I really like Annie Lennox's version. Annie Lennox from who? Eurythmics. Oh, oh, yeah. A really good cover of it. I actually saw an interesting video 
about uh, Eurythmics. Not not Annie Lennox, but her like Eurythmics co-partner. He was in Stevie Nicks's mansion, and he overheard Stevie Nicks yelling at Joe Walsh not to come there anymore because they'd broken up, and somehow that inspired "Don't Come Round Here No More." <laughs> I'm actually right. really excited for Tom Petty. Like, I feel like I've talked Me about too. it before. I yeah. do really like Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, excited for that. Yeah. Uh, Tom Petty I and really Emerson, like Lake and Palmer, the only rockers that Kay has expressed approval of. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to Tom Petty one day, and we can finally uh, complete Tom. the Traveling Mulberries Gauntlet. Maybe in 20... Sometime <laughs> in 2022. I like how... I, I like how in uh, Don't Let It Bring You Down, Neil Young's talking about old man lying on the side of the road, and then he turns into dead man. And then in the next album, Harvest, you know, sings about old man. Interesting. Um, oh, I thought that was like about his father. Because like you call him, actually, you call uh, father's your old man. Yeah, actually, old man is about uh, a guy that, like, an old guy that uh, that was like Neil Young's neighbor in in the early seventies in the in Northern California, and the old man was like, "How can how can a youngster like you own all this land? You you." kids you don't work hard it's... boomers <laughs> boomers okay boomer boomer oh, cringe bro i'm out of here no one wants to talk to a boomer <laughs> bro you just posted cringe you're gonna lose subscriber i'd uh, throw back to 2018 2019 i guess the, the the last year that ever existed before Indeed. before time just destroyed itself before my rush obsession <laughs> uh, before my time eras, before pre-rush my obsession and post-rush obsession. <laughs> anyway, uh, even on first listen, I thought Birds was not the weakest track, but just the track that's like I just pretend mm. to forget about the most. Yeah, it's eh. yeah. it's full, it's there. But for what it does, but for what it's saying, I, I like. I think the chorus is beautiful and when especially neil is saying it's over that's like that resonates with me and then there's like this Eh, sustained piano key that just fades out and you're just left with your own thoughts and you're like very sad then all of a sudden (laughs) when you dance i can really love let's go that's a good song yeah. Kind of honestly, though, it kind of like messes with the flow of the album because it's a collection of sad songs about breakup and being sad. And then Neil Young comes in with, When you dance, I can love. God. <laughs> it's like four minutes, but even then, I can't really like put the song in another place that like where it actually feels normal in the album. Maybe you just like switch out southern man and uh, when you dance i can really love but i actually find a problem in that too and i'll explain why in just a bit so and uh after that we get to i believe in you and uh just the typical normie listener they'll just hear i believe in you and they're like oh they believe in them they don't believe in them if you listen to the lyrics that was Uh, that's like uh that's like an arrested development narration (laughs) i believe in you he doesn't believe in her he or she doesn't believe in him it's just like the bracket thing yeah Wait, is there the the Tony Bennett one with Radio City? So I'm like, oh yeah, I saw you perform at Radio City. You were very good. Thank you so much. Tony had no memory of performing at Radio City at all. <laughs> uh, isn't Tony Bennett like pushing a hundred right now? Uh, yeah, he he's like he's ninety five. Wow, good for very good yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, he had his last um, last, he had his last concert. And, hmm. uh, it's gonna hurt to lose him. Yeah, and you know, and honestly, I think. 
I believe in you. I may have overstated in my notes. But I may. I believe in you may not be the saddest song on this album, but for me personally, I think it's the most devastating because like there's the the verse. There's like the second verse is like. Uh, but I mean, we have our differences now, but maybe in a couple of years we can look back at all this and laugh. And the chorus is just like, I don't know what to say to you except I believe in you. Except the verses may imply that she, he, or she doesn't. And just, it's just, it's really sad. It's it's amazing that like Neil Young was like 25 at this time, and he's writing such deep and like heavy shit that like this. Is- See, this is why this should be the closer. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, let's yeah, talk about... Like... Well, here's my caveat to that. At the end of each side, each half, uh, Neil Young is being pushed at the brink of something. On the first side, he's being pushed to the brink of hatred. And the second side, he's being pushed to the, the brink of despair. So you have to bring yourself back to Earth with a bunch of little happy filler songs. Like, Till the Morning Comes is obviously, like, my least... It's, like, my least favorite of the album, even though it was, like, necessary. (laughs) Kind of actually reminds me of Hunky Dory. (laughs) Mayhap. Yeah. And then, uh... And then After I Believe in You, which is, like, the saddest breakup song ever, if you ask me. It's followed up with this nice little light-hearted Cripple Creek Fairy, which is... I think is banger song. Honestly, I, I I listen to that song ironically. Like it's fun. I like I like whimsy in my music. I love whimsy. I agree with you. <laughs> I agree with you. Oh oh. <laughs> but yeah, Isaiah, why do you disagree with me? Um, I I don't know. You've <laughs> <laughs> defeated. The that I. I don't know, man. It's just something I want to be left with this devastating feeling. God, I hate being the pessimist of this podcast. I want to be left. I want. I want with especially with this album. You're there's so many like sad songs, especially near the end, and then at the end it's like let's take a ride on the Cripple Creek. No, I don't want any of that. I want to be sad. (laughs) You set you set this structure, this beautiful structure that I'll find myself coming back to. Which is why I like one of the reasons why I like this album a lot. But then you, I just I don't understand, man. <laughs> this is why it's you nice. All your albums out of order, like me. It's no, 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 no. That just defeats the purpose of making an album in the first place, though. Okay, fine. Track, track listing is imp- track listing. Okay, is, fine, but don't you? you know, Okay, okay, I only look at the track listing after I made it, and then I form my opinions on what should have gotten first and last. Okay, but I'll have you know. All alone, the captain stands, hasn't heard from his deckhands, the gambler tips his hat and walks towards the door. It's the second half of the cruise, and you know he hates to lose. Hey, hey, Cripple Creek Ferry, running through the overhanging trees. <laughs> I'm literally crying and sobbing right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, but like this, the vibes of that song... For some reason, I kind of like it as a closer because, like, do any of you know, like, the last verse and four friends from Ghost Quartet? Because it gives me those kind of vibes, right? Um, remind me, of, I, I've, I've listened to uh, I, I Don't Even Know from Ghost okay. Quartet. But... So I can, t- I can speak the verse. It's the one that Pearl sings, if anyone knows who that is. Was that? Yes, no. Um, okay, Mary. But it's the one that's like, um, oh, wait, now I'm blanking. But it's the one where it's like, I'm dancing on the stars of the oracles. I'm flipping the waterfalls. I'm something, something wishing well. I'm lost and I don't care at all. And it's like, she talks about fairies a little bit in it. And anyway, it's just like a really pretty verse. And it reminds me of it, kind of. Mm. You know, Dave Lloyd does canonically listen to Neil Young. So that contractually means that we're allowed, we have to like this album. Yes. <laughs> Facts and logic. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of theater, um, I don't know if this is right or not, but I can definitely, uh, Neil Young's like distinctive, like, 
tenor slash falsetto voice. I actually can see a bunch of influence in, in theater. His voice has, his voice, it, it reminds me of like theater singers like Aaron's Veidt and uh, Reeve Carney, actually. You did it again. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep bullying to, you for that. Aaron's Veidt. Veidt. Okay. Like the letter, the number <laughs> eight. God, kill me. Um. But yeah, uh, Veidt and Carney, I can definitely hear are inspired by Neil Young. Like technically they're better because they're like, classically trained singers or something but i think i'd rather listen to like neil young more because you know it, i the feels i i i, re, I relate to him yeah Ooh. I, uh, okay like the falsettos on after the gold rush and don't let it bring you down or queerly or like the epic the epics like i'm sp i'm speaking in nonsense speaking in tongues if you will the yeah. epics epic <laughs> sorry yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's took that's, me a hot second to remember what they actually sing in Epic because I don't like that song yeah. very much. <laughs> wow, and, and you call yourself a Hades town. Shush, shush, glad i listened to this album me too me too yeah i think this was a learning ex a building character experience for me yeah. it was does, yeah. does chris gal have a hot take on this album at all he did he does oh he god. gave it a oh my god he gave it an a plus oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Redemption arc. Yeah. Thank you, Chris Cow. Yeah. He will, he will remain. He Chris Cow will still remain the villain of this podcast, but he, it's still nice that we can agree with him sometimes. Thank you, Chris Cow. Really cool. Okay. I mean, sometimes we do, but we love you right yeah. now. Perhaps I can get behind that. Perhaps. 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 I this understand. Temporary truce, to Would you? Chrissy boy. All right. So uh, let's go around the room, starting with you, Isaiah. I'm afraid. Um, I think I've already like spilled most of my reasoning for the rating. Um, oh, I guess I'll bump it up a bit. 7.7 .7 seems fitting. I like the album, and I've already said that I will be coming back to this album a lot. Mm -hmm. And that's very special. Yeah, 7.7. So, yeah, I, I think you'll like his uh, other albums a bit more. Like Harvest is his pop breakthrough, which means you probably won't like it as much. You don't have as much high hopes for you for that one. But there's <laughs> also Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere and uh, Rust Never Sleeps, where which are much more like hard rocking, you know. Mm -hmm. The only track I only like, like I only don't like three tracks off this album. Fair, fair. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What Everything about else is great though? What about you, Kay? Are we feeling generous tonight? I was, I'm feeling generous tonight. Why don't we give it a seven point two? All right. No. I'm in a good mood today. Yeah. Sharing the wealth. I'm not gonna bully you on you thinking it's better than Revolver because taste is subjective, and after the gold rush, thinking it's better than what? Revolver. <laughs> Because yeah, taste well, is, is. well, taste is subjective, and uh, after the gold unless rush, it's revolver, taste How is, is subjective. Dare you? My taste, which is the best taste. Yeah, no. And after the gold rush is ranked among one of the best albums of all time, so I'll let it slide. I only bring out the oh, you think this is better revolver running gag when st uh, towards albums that really don't deserve to be like Hotel California, <laughs> Queen's News of the World. Oh, shit. <laughs> but I digress. <laughs> Riley, what did you think? Um, 
be generous, I'll give it a seven. I really like this album. Hmm. I don't have to give it a higher score though. <laughs> no, never mind. But I no. liked it though. Okay, yeah. Uh, nine. Uh, I'll be a bit more generous though. I'll give it a nine and a half. Wow. You think I'd give it like a ten because like I I spilled that I like this album relates to me, but you know even I don't like myself that much so. <laughs> Sad boy moment. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Neil Young. Emo Andrew. Yeah. yeah. But just uh, as emo as this album. Yeah. But there in real really though, there are some like setbacks to it. Like Till the Morning Comes is not like the best filler track, even though it kinda does sound like hunky dory. And uh Birds is a bit forgettable and when you dance I can really love is like out of place with the entire album. But above all, for what this says on um, on stuff like Southern Man and uh the title track and uh, I believe in you. Oh my God, that a lot of these songs relate to me on such a, a, a tight level, so deep, and it's just so deep. And it just Neil Young is just saying so much things, and it's just I I, re I really like this album. It has a, a couple setbacks, but still, it's it's real good. It's just. Does anyone have that album that feels like this is a personification of me? For me, it's a uh, Watkins Family Hours brother sister. Hmm. We'll be getting, like, getting to that in Romy Month. Um, probably not this it's one, bluegrass, so well, it's bluegrass, so probably not. <laughs> but yeah, that is a tight question. Does anyone have that album that just personifies them? They feel like I'm trying to think. I'm like looking through my well. liked albums. Uh, obviously, The Wall by Pink Floyd. I'm so quirky, and I love isolating myself from society. <laughs> um, yeah, man, bro. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm guessing you're gonna say Bear. No, I mean, I wasn't going to pick a theater album, but also if I, I knew that if I'd say, like, Public Void or because I haven't listened to that many albums, so I was going to say Public Void, but then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's cringe. <laughs> yeah. And also, I have not listened to that album in a very long time because I do mostly listen to theater, so I don't actually know if it relates to me anymore than it did when I was edgy. <laughs> so, who knows? So, I've come, I've found mine. Um, There's this one album that's, like, in, like, sixth grade, and it's kind of a personification to me. Um, I really like Everywhere Somewhere by K-Play. That's a good one. Didn't you say that you were, like, five feet from her in a concert once? Yes, I was. And I'm very happy. All right, so before I tell you guys what our next Christmas episode is going to be, I do have one more Neil Young story to share. Is that he is actually a, a, a miniature train enthusiast. Ooh. And uh, but the, but the re but the reason as to why he was such a train enthusiast is actually kind of heartwarming. So he's like uh, he had like both of his children were born with cerebral palsy actually, and one of them is actually a severe case of cerebral palsy. So like many trains were like Neil Young's way of like connecting with his uh, son. So and I and I found that to be like really heartwarming, especially since I myself have have a sibling with cerebral palsy. That's nice. That's yeah. so cool. Makes me want to bump up my score from a 9.5 to a 9.6. <laughs> Not even a 10. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't. I, 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 when you dance, I can really love. I, I just can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> Does anyone else want to bump it up? Okay, so I guess I'm the only good one. I'm kidding. I kid. I joke. You kid and you joke? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and you joke and you kid? Amazing. Yeah. So I'm now going to uh, announce our album for our Christmas episode. Keep in mind, I did not say Christmas album because 
It's not a Christmas album. I'll make sure We're that- not listening to All I Want for Christmas is You? This is a crime. <laughs> oh, We're not listening it. to John Denver and the Muppets Christmas together? I'm, this is why every every, every other cri- December, I'm going to make sure we do an actual Christmas album for a Christmas episode. But this, this year is oh, going to be the exception. This one will be way better. All okay. I Want for Christmas is You? We're not doing that? Oh, damn oh, it. I want for Christmas. Oh, you're giving the retail workers PTSD. Okay. <laughs> okay, but last Christmas by Wham. Can I just go on? That's a, a great song. Like, I need to tell you guys the story. So my English teacher, um, he puts on music before like we start like the work day. So basically, every single day since the beginning of December until the semester finished, like yesterday, he played ev- like every single day. He played a different version of Last Christmas, and we are absolutely traumatized by that song now. So anytime we hear it, we are traumatized. And it's so funny. I love how there's just more than one version. There's like, according to how many times we played it during the semester, it's probably about like 20 of them. Oh my <laughs> and God. there's probably more. I'm just going to announce the next episode before anyone else goes on a tangent. So our next album is going to be one that has been quite uh, in the buzz recently, if not due to a very certain documentary on a very certain Disney Plus that's called foreshadowing. Oh. <laughs> yep. And the next album we'll be looking at is The Beatles. Let it be. I freaking knew it. I dig a pygmy by Charles Hortree and the Deaf Aids. Phase one in which <laughs> Doris, Doris gets her oats. Yep. Yeah, let's yeah, go. Let's yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Knights in armor come and saying something about a queen. There were peasants singing and drummers drumming and the archers split the tree. There was a fanfare blowing to the sun that was floating on the breeze. Look at Mother Nature on the run in the 1970s. Seventy. 